This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Consciousness is creating within you as you, and you become a co-creator in the process as you fully integrate the vastness of your eternal nature. Valeria Tellez interviews Soyana Cole, the author of The All-Inclusive Approach, The Art of Divine Remembrance. Soyana Cole first started her holistic career as a nutritional consultant in 2007. She expanded her education and services with the completion of the IBMS Life Coach Program under the tutelage of Dr. Leonard Coldwell in 2012 and then became a certified Reiki Master Teacher shortly after. Each skill and tool acquired built upon the next, blending into an approach that addressed health from the standpoint of lifestyle choices to managing mental and emotional stress to balancing energetic discord Eventually, her education, personal life experience, and interactions with clients developed into the integrated and holistic approach she implements today. She currently works as a wellness coach, empowering clients to adopt healthy lifestyle habits and cultivate a compassionate, open-hearted approach towards self-realization. When she is not coaching clients, she facilitates dance groups, spends time with her wonderful son, and shares heartfelt messages on her website, suyanacole.org. She has recently released her first book, The All-Inclusive Approach, The Art of Divine Remembrance, and is helping to co-create a scalable, intentional community model to address the challenges we face globally. Suyana hopes to inspire others to see the powerful potential available to us during these transformative times so that we may all make loving, conscious strides toward a unified, thriving future. Meet Suyana at suyanacole.org. Here is the interview with Suyana Cole. In your own words, who is Suyana Cole? Oh, that's a... Uh... That could probably take up all the 30 minutes. Right, right. Um, it's really, really challenging, actually, to ask that question, answer that question, because I've been changing and transforming and moving my entire life. I've moved over 40 times and really immersed myself into many, many, many different uh, environments and have molded myself and kind of morphed myself into whatever the environment requires of me. So I would say that uh, I'm all-inclusive in the way that I live. It's probably why I wrote the book that I wrote. I really don't want to leave anything out, and yet I'm blending it as I get older and older with really uh, owning my own individuality. 
So there's this really expansive energy that I would say I encompass and I've been reflected back to me that that's what a lot of people feel is just a very broad, open heart. And more and more as I get older, I'm becoming more and more committed to just that unique way that it's being expressed through the life that I'm here gifted to live. When you speak of getting older, that's an interesting phrase. What does it mean to you to get older, to age? I would say for me, it means maturing more and more beyond who I thought I was supposed to be and who I was told I was supposed to be. More into a real settling into who I actually am. And again, that get, becomes more and more broad, the more willing I've become to just be this version of source and form. So as an identification with, uh, you know, my wanting and my desires became less dominant and more just like a bit of uh, the sprinkles on the cake, if you will, you know, just part of this process of being in this life and being surrounded by form and knowing that you have an impact on it. And yet you're also here just to be a witness to it. Um, the that settling in has really been what I would call getting older. What does it mean to live or to be balanced? For me, it's about being present and willing because I have been off balance many times and had a lot of insights come in those moments. And I feel like one of the things a lot of us who are oriented towards self-inquiry and self-realization can get caught up in is feeling like those moments of challenge or moments of imbalance are a deterrent or an obstacle to being in balance. But there's so much insight that can come from, you know, being uncomfortable or being thrown off, um, off balance a little bit. And so I find that more and more it's about just being willing to be in that moment, whatever it might be, and having a relationship with it that isn't uh, restrictive. And it, it, it's been creating a lot of uh, uh, joy through challenge, I guess you would say. <laughs> yes, and I agree. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm out of balance, I go back to whatever we call balance, which means being at peace and quiet and joyful. Then I kind of miss the insights I gained or, or miss having more opportunities to gain insights. So I'm wondering if this is something that we can actually try to construct or replicate. Sure, absolutely. Really? Where, you're, yeah. where you're putting yourself intentionally in a... Right. Yes. yes, absolutely. Well, wow. I think that that can be help, really helpful in just knowing, too, that when, when quote-unquote normalcy is restored, that you might have a new set point. You might have a new perspective. You might have a new outlook on things. That that can be a bit of a strange moment, too, where you come back to a state of balance, and it's not what you remember. It's something new now. And as we continue to evolve just being open to that newness and and having a uh, value placed on the uncertainty of it all which i think a lot a lot of people and myself included 
for many years just wanted so badly to get some sort of guarantee from life and all of this effort and all of this um, work and all of this willingness and and all the challenges that I'd been through were going to uh, meet eventually a state of relief, a state of peace, a state of unconditional self-love. You know, there was always the carrot at the end of the stick. And so befriending uncertainty for me has been uh, really easy to transition through changes because it's, you know, every new norm is like, oh, well, this is the way it is now. Okay. All right. It feels like this. It looks like this. You know, I apply this new mentality to something that I used to look at in a different way. Now, the different way that I look at things when I come to think of it, that just feels so foreign because this is my new way of being in the world. And it, it's so exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> is it that shift of, pers- of not just perspective, but perception? How do we do that? How do we engage intentionally in these challenges that will bring about some insights? Do we look for that outcome or we just engage in the challenge and what kinds of challenges we can, let's say, quote unquote, safely engage in? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people find it very challenging to meditate, to be honest with you. It's this thing that we think that we, we should do it's like exercise. You know that you need to do it, <laughs> yeah. but it's so easy to find excuses. And uh, and so for me, I do a lot of inquiry. Um, if, I've, if I find myself kind of seemingly finding ways to not meditate throughout the day for a few days, I'll sit down and, and ask one, what's the value of this? Like, what is the value of not meditating? What part of myself, because there's so many facets to each one of us, is gaining some sort of benefit from avoiding this behavior. And and oftentimes it's just giving me a chance to see where I might still have judgments or I, I still have um, a belief system for what things should be. And that's always, I think, a really wonderful thing to kind of reflect on and just be loving and inclusive to those parts of yourself, the ones that really have an agenda we don't want to annihilate them. We don't want to shame them. We just want to say, oh, well, you have a want. It's going to make you feel maybe safer or more valued or more seen or more appreciated or more engaged in the world. And so there's this thing that you really want. And now that I'm aware of that thing, I can appreciate you and still know that this self-care practice is something that is required for us to be in in healthy relationship with all aspects of ourself. And so for me, that's helped to to be really loving to other people because, you know, when I notice that I have a saboteur in me or I have um, the judge in me or I have, you know, the procrastinator in me, looking at other people and the habits that we all engage in and the things that we do, you know, it's so much easier to be grateful for where that person is in their journey when I've already made it okay for me to have those parts of myself still be there and not think that spiritual uh, expression looks like, you know, someone sitting in lotus position, you know, glowing, levitating above the ground, you know, what preconceived notions we might have about what a spiritual being looks like kind of fall away as we start to let all of the parts of ourselves be acceptable. What is spirituality, really? Well, I think it's like asking what the word love is. 
it's so broad and it's so vast. It's all things. I, I talk oftentimes with my clients and the people that I engage with about, you know, when we start to get really resistant, we can't have it both ways. There's either an energetic force or an omnipresent being that is part of our storyline, which is in all things, or it's not because there's no gray area in this. It's all or nothing. And so when it comes to spirituality, what isn't spiritual? What isn't an expression of consciousness and form? And what isn't a, an expression of consciousness not in form yet that we're still perceiving, whether we are perceiving it with our mind or not, it's still there. It's still playing its part in the whole scheme of things. And so, again, for me, I find that if I am a, trying to define spirituality as a thing, I'm starting to become exclusive with other things. And for from my perspective, I'm beginning to limit again what spirituality can look like. So the way that I'm expressing my spirituality in life, which I would be able to answer a little bit more um, concisely, is finding the oneness in all the things around me. And whether I'm seeing something that's really disturbing to me, which has been easy to do over the last year of, you know, our trajectory of evolution, um, then my process of being inclusive is really to be inclusive with the parts of me that are in resistance to it or in judging judgment of it. And again, just going back through this process of becoming more and more willing to let all of these things in, be included in this thing called life. So when you speak of which I hear a lot and I see that um, operating within myself too, all these voices, all these characters, all these shadows and that we call, we give them names. Have you ever wondered what thoughts are? Uh, yeah, I think about that kind of stuff all the time. <laughs> I have thoughts about <laughs> thoughts on a regular basis. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> well, I, I feel like there's there multifunctional. There's thoughts that I have that kind of come through and it's almost like uh, wind passing my face. You know, it just, it floats in and out and oh, there was this random thought and I had it and now it's gone. And then there's other ones that kind of capture inside. And I would, I, I think of them as like, remember those uh, donation um, they have, <laughs> it's hard to describe. I'm, I'm pointing it out to you with my finger. <laughs> As if I was, yeah, that's cute. <laughs> but you would like put a penny in it and it would go around and around and around and yeah. centrifugal force would bring it down into the center and then it would just drop into the donation bucket at the bottom. Mm, Are you yeah. familiar with yes. that at all? Yes, I am. Yes. Well, I have thoughts that come in like that too. And they're like this random thought that all of a sudden, whoop, it kind of catches the belief system and it starts to build momentum. And now it's into a story and that story is creating an emotional response in me and all of the things that follow that. And so for me, those thoughts are really fascinating because uh, they're, they're little guides to what's going on within me in relationship to whatever that topic might be. And for those things, I feel like it's those are the things that get caught in the net of Suyana. 
I am here to be reflecting on those things. I'm here to bring awareness to these things. I'm here to bring love and appreciation to these things. I'm here to be a witness to these things. Not all things, but some of them. And the ones that I find get captured in my mind and start to build up a little bit of momentum, they're the ones that I pay more attention to. The ones that come flying in and out, I just go, oh, those are intended for another <laughs> another person that that's in harmony with to take a look at. Right. Um, that makes sense. All these, that you're paying attention to the flow of thoughts. I would say, as a side thing, note, is that um, I've also started to coin inner promptings as inspiration, and I've s- separated them a, a little bit from the idea of thoughts and uh, just these inner promptings, these inner knowings that kind of come up or get dropped in in a moment, so that I can I can have those things kind of be compartmentalized into two different places of awareness because the insights I think aren't coming and being filtered through the same parts of us that thoughts are. I do have a question for you about when you say I am here. So I wonder, and I ask the question, not to everyone, who chose to be here? How do you think that came to be this idea of who we are in in being here present? Well, I am to me translates to I awareness manifested. So the I I identify as is awareness manifested into its own unique uh, option of living eternity. Right. <laughs> you know, I love that. We have <laughs> a, a lifelong, infinite uh, way for consciousness to be expressing itself. And there's just this one little moment where it's been, you know, uh, pointed into this particular experience. So I feel really balanced in the dualistic nature of it, really, (laughs) if you will, because I'm so committed to being the individual version that I'm here to be. And yet it feels so expansive and just, you know, like I'm an endless, uh, infinite stream of consciousness. And that's probably why I like to separate a bit insight and thoughts, because thoughts to me seem like they are from the perspective of the collective consciousness. So there's that level of consciousness that's playing itself out. And then insights and intuition is more of a cosmic consciousness. It's just coming up to a different, broader perspective. So to see them uh, in these different levels and in this different ebb and flow of what's capturing my God's attention at that moment, um, it just feels very holistic to me. So you wouldn't say that we choose to be here. There's no such a thing. Well, I guess I would say, who are we? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) I I know that there are certainly things in my life that I would look back and say that my my personality would have preferred that to not have happened, or my personality would have preferred this to play out in another way. Um, But it's never enough of a driving force to really be anything other than entertaining a fantasy because I'm just don't know. And my personality just doesn't know enough to make those calls. 
if you will. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. here to be evolved, not to be doing the evolving. I love your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you wrote, I am awakening to the brilliance within me. I am accessing the infinite depth of my beingness. I am shedding falsehoods to reveal my true nature. How did this awakening, what do you call awakening, happen? Wow. <laughs> I, my first thought when you read that was, I wrote that? <laughs> yeah, you did. Sometimes I, still, sometimes I still read parts of my book and think, oh my gosh, that's such good insights. Yeah. I really have to apply that to my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say the awakening has been very gradual and consistent, which to all of you listeners out there, it's okay to be the one that has a gradual, consistent evolution <laughs> and not have this one powerful, you know, moment that just creates a whole different reality. There's been so many moments where I have had a totally different reality after this insight came in or after this profound experience. Um, I've been sat in ceremonies that were so expansive and, you know, I really my small self kind of was put out of the way so that I could have my larger self revealed to me. But I've had experiences like that too, taking a shower and just having an insight drop in when I'm doing this kind of mundane routine thing. So I would say that like so many people, I think I came in awake and then I came into the play of taking on the masks and the conditioning that would help me to survive my childhood and my initiation into the human reality. And then the better part of my 20s and 30s were spent kind of trying to reveal what was underneath that. And it was it was a pretty step-by-step um, -step process. And what a wonderful insight just to to travel. Think about if we were just traveling uh, the world. There's no place to really stay and be at, but just constantly exploring different places and different cultures. And I think when we can say, oh, personality, what you're really looking for is relief. Like, mm -hmm. I, I see home. where your motivation is coming yeah. from. <laughs> right? That's okay. You know, because I really do think it's ultimately just wanting to feel safe. Yeah. And it's wanting to know that its efforts are going to yield some level of uh, accomplishment. So from that perspective, I, like I, I find um, this, there's a, was an old kind of spiritual perspective of like almost annihilating the self, you know, in order to be free, you have to be, you have to eliminate the individual and, um, Obviously, that would be pretty scary to the personality or the ego or the self, whatever you want to call um, that part of you, because it wants to be part of the process. You know, it's not it doesn't I don't think any mentality wants to be the hindrance to joy and peace and well-being. But when we can see relief being like a dominant driving force for the personality, which as an eternal being, relief kind of just falls away because eternity has no destination so you can't really want relief as something that you attain in the future it's either just something that's present in the moment now or it's not present in the moment and it'll be in a present in a future moment um based on on our linear way of thinking about things
So, um, yeah. I'm trying to imagine here, what would that look like? <laughs> the human experience without the personality, without the self. Sure. That doesn't make sense, right, Sayana? It doesn't. Right. It really doesn't. Mm. And it's probably why it felt uh, somewhat stunted for a lot of people trying to navigate that and frustrating and disappointing. Much like the law of attraction when it was presented initially in its very simplistic way where if you want something, you focus on it, you set your intention, and then by the law of attraction, it will be drawn to you and, you know, opened up to this process of only wanting to think positive thoughts and, and really orienting yourself to being like a policer of the mental content. And so once all of that starts to fall away, then the personality just becomes another thing that we're, we're stewarding through evolution. And what part of you is doing that stewarding is the eternal witness, the one that doesn't have a destination, the one where relief is just something that is either, again, present or it's not present. Right. Does that make sense? Uh, I lost my thousand, of thought a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, a thousand percent. And it's not okay. linear, as you said. Yeah. So mm -hmm. even the way you speak, uh, like sometimes I have to um, write a lot of things down because if I don't, I'll be all over the place, <laughs> completely all over the place. Yeah. And it's so cyclical <laughs> that sometimes you just wonder what loop you're on, really. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> I wanted to hear from you your definition for freedom as of today, as of this moment. Wow, I love that question because it's so prevalent for me right now, um, especially with the state of the world. I feel like we're in such a moment of massive flux and i think a lot of people and myself included again sometimes are just wondering how everything's gonna shake out <laughs> really and then um but i found myself being very intentional with like really focusing on where what i would like to see be the the trajectory of this change of uh, for humanity's sake and by extension for the planet's sake and so for me, freedom really comes back to having the power in the moment to really be very uh, blessings, loving, praying, intentional with the energy that I'm contributing to this collective environment. And it used to be for a long time about, you know, be living off grid and, uh, having a community where I'm growing my own food and being able to engage with like-minded people. And so it was very much about the environment that I was in. And now I've just kind of expanded that out to what I wish for all of humanity. I, I wish all of humanity has all of their basic needs met and then some. And to be able to be empowered in the moment to really put that desire and that wish and that hope forward feels very very freeing and really really expansive that word expansive space and freedom they really flow beautifully together and on a practical note like i the fear of death has kind of fallen away for me over the past two years just over time and and you know really delving into the topic of death and having a relationship with my eternal nature makes freedom, I feel, just a lot more tangible in the everyday moments. 
Yeah. Fear. That's the that's what we are trying to shed. It's fear. Mm-hmm. And inquire about, mm-hmm. you know. I think once once fear became a indicator for me of pay attention. When I feel afraid, I'm immediately like, pay attention. What's going on? What am I thinking about? What am I focusing on? What am I foreseeing coming down the road? Um, like, thank you, fear. Thank you so much for showing me that I'm really not here in this moment at all. I'm very much somewhere else. And then not trying to get present, but just trying to explore where, what, like, what's been so captivating over here in this fairy tale land that has drawn me out of the present so effectively. Mm-hmm. I love the way you say that. It's almost you're treating all parts of you as if they were babies, puppies. <laughs> that is an interesting perspective. It really couples up God, mother, and Godfather for me. I've been trying to figure out a way <laughs> to incorporate the very individual archetypes of male, female, or masculine and feminine with this universal overarching theme of God. And it just dropped into me for me one day where I was like, I am my godmother. I am my godfather. I am here as a witness to all of these parts of the human reality that require my attention, my care, my nourishment, my acknowledgement, my uh, praise, my unconditional love. So it 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 was a really really uh lovely concept and coupling uh to help me understand how to be both the one witnessing and the one experiencing uh things that, that like they're happening to me and not always being able to have this you know this god perspective sometimes i'm right in the muck of an experience and i can't come out of it until i've fully become immersed in it and then when I do come out of it, I, I mother myself. I see the broader perspective. I, I, it's a chance to play all the parts. How did you become a writer? And what was the inspiration, intention, and purpose of writing your book, The All-Inclusive Approach, The Art of Divine Remembrance? Sure. Well, it's, it's part of my life as early as I can remember. I think I started writing uh, the story about a boy who got in a car accident and had to figure out a way of taking care of himself at age 10 until he was rescued. So there's always been this kind of like theme of like, how can we relate to this human experience and, and find our resilience and see how, how powerful we are and how beautiful and innocent we are really at the end of the day. And so this particular book kind of came on the, at the end of a, long time of blogging and habit keeping up a website and realizing that I just have a very specific message that I want to put into the world. And it was at the end of doing an intensive um, program on manifestation. So at the end of that program, I was really super excited and I was jazzed up and yes, 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 I'm going to do these things. I'm going to be, I'm going to manifest my dreams and and then uh, there started to be a lot of uh, circling around that topic. Like, why Why do you think that this isn't your dream that you have right now? And, and who is manifesting this dream? And from what place are you manifesting? So full of questions. 
And the book kind of became a result of me wanting to inquire about those questions and the answers that kept pouring in every time I would really sit down with my computer. It just felt like information was just pouring through me on trying to to make peace with all of these different aspects of of being intentional and then also being willing to play your part, the part that you have been gifted to play. And for a long time, those seemed like things that were opposing one another. So by the end of the book and after the few rewrites where I went back through the material again and went through more evolution and more understanding and received more insights, uh, the final book that is on the market now was the end result of, of that particular question. How can I be intentional and have a directive that I'm trying to offer to the collective consciousness while still maintaining a healthy, balanced, loving, and willing relationship with the part that I am playing. So that is um, magical to me. Thank you, Soyana, for everything, everything, really. This conversation, your wisdom, being open to the unknown, the love, the sense of humor (laughs) that you bring into these um, profound topics. Well, I appreciate you reaching out. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So um, I love what you said. I had so many insights here from your book and I won't be able to go through them. But I love this one. You say, while you have a personal experience, consciousness is what is ultimately having the experience. I love that (laughs) insight. If you knew you would lose the body soon, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Mm. Well, I would probably go ahead and take the nest egg that I've been saving to buy land and just use it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be like a practical thing. That, like we would, I would take vacations instead of having this money kind of set aside for a, a long-term goal. But the way that I am in life, I, I don't think my everyday activities or ways of being in the world would change. Because uh, I, I really do feel like I'm going through many deaths on a regular basis. And the part that still think that death isn't just the next adventure after so many adventures that I've had in my life. Um, for them, I just have a lot of compassion and care and, and really attentiveness to to the fears that those parts of me have and and mostly the fears really just come down to knowing that I I have a son and he's 11 years old and for me the, the responsibility and and the joy that I have of being a parent would be one fear that I I still get a chance to to be uh, a witness to and be in relationship with and and see how how loving that fear is because it's such a, a loving and endearing fear to have to just want to be there and be able to raise your child. But um, I don't know what life would be like without him. I can imagine, though, that if I did, if I was the same person I am in this moment right now and I didn't have a child, then life would really just feel like the next adventure yeah. out of the body would just be another another trip for me to take and another evolution for me to start to embark on. Yeah. You embrace, you really embrace your experience, unique experience in the human body, including the fear of 
not being around your son anymore. And speaking of him, are you able to teach him some of these um, insights? Sure. Yeah. I don't know if I've been long-winded <laughs> here, but he says sometimes I'm a little bit long-winded. I love to explain things to him. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah he definitely gets a plenty taste of this. And he lived in an, an intentional community with me uh, when we were in Costa Rica, where we were just in an environment where people were oriented more towards self-inquiry and spiritual practice. So he's had a lot of uh, experiences that have given him a, a chance to uh, to delve into these parts of himself early on. And because he's been, you know, moving with me and traveling around the the country and, and abroad as well, um, you know, the, that puts people into starting to have a relationship with the broader perspective, I think, naturally, especially children, because they are just experiencing so much diversity and so much change and so much uncertainty. And to be a grounded kind of anchor for him in those moments, I think, has really helped him to open up to those parts of himself that or, or perhaps I should say not close off to those parts of himself that were online when he was born. And he still challenges me and makes me stand in my authority and and points out all the places that I can strengthen myself, <laughs> just like all wow. kids. Thank you so much, Suyana, again, for everything, everything you do, everything you say, the way you say it, uh, your thoughts, um, everything is just so beautiful and in alignment. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I really appreciate this. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Sure. I'm uh, online with the website suyanacole.org, O-R-G, and Suyana spelled S-U-Y-A-N-A-C-O-L-E. And there is a um, survey on my website that I would love anyone that's listening to just shoot over there and uh, fill out. It's about intentional living and uh, intentional community. And this is something that I'm very passionate about is shifting the trajectory of how we live on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy um, seminars and retreats and all of the things that we have all done um, to increase our contact and communication in the spiritual community. And it just feels like the next stage of that is really starting to implement living our daily lives in a way that feels very connected and grounded and yeah. sustainable and in communities where we can be self-reflective and we can have conscious communication with one another and really engage on a, mm -hmm. on a very deep level. So anybody that's interested in intentional living or just wants to lend their, um, perspective and opinions to the website uh, survey. I'd really love it if you could go there and then you can find the services that I provide and the book is also on the website and all the blogs that I've been doing since I wrote and published the book. Yeah. And I'll have the link on your podcast profile. I love that idea. Intentional living, right? What a wonderful mm -hmm. vision. Thank you so much again and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. You too, Sonia. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Suyana Cole and her work, please visit suyanacole.org. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.